let's see if we've got the right group here. How many of you have ever, ever, ever in your life known somebody that has been offended and had a problem with unforgiveness? <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. I think that every single one of us would fit into that category. And uh, I, I really believe this is a word for the Lord. I told Pam after the first service, I said it was a little bit more somber than some of the joyful services that we've had. But, but, but I really believe it's a word that will set you free for the rest of your life if you let this become a revelation to you. Because there are offenses that will come and go, and you can't do anything about it. And uh, I, I, I uh, heard this story the other day, and I think it's really cute. It's about asking for forgiveness. You know, you need to walk in forgiveness because you need a lot of forgiveness. Isn't that true, Rodney? Isn't that true, Amber? <laughs> Isn't that true, Pam? <laughs> I told Pam one time, I did something. You said, that's not funny. And I said, well, forgive me anyway. And I forget what you said, but it, you weren't upset with me. You were just playing, I know. But, but you said something about, uh, I'll forgive you when I'm good and ready. Or I forget exactly what I said. And I said, now you're not even scriptural. Now you got a real problem. Because now you got a problem with me. Now you got a problem with God. Everybody say, I'm good and ready. You've got to be ready to forgive whenever forgiveness is needed. And I'm going to show you that scripturally in just a moment. Cute little story. <clears throat> Sunday school teacher had been concluding her class with a, a bunch of a little uh, five-year-olds. Want to make sure that, that she made her point. So she said, can anyone tell me what you must do before you obtain forgiveness of sin? And the little five-year-old Johnny raised his hand and says, you have to sin. <laughs> Wasn't exactly what she had in mind, but I think, I think you'll get that in a minute if you think about it. But, uh, but God, God loves us so much that he provided for every single need that we have. And uh, we're going to read in the book of Luke chapter 23, you'll be able to uh, follow along with us if you, if you don't have your Bible. But in Luke chapter 23, it's a powerful scripture. And this is the day that Palm Sunday, Jesus made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus knew what he was doing. And he knew, he knew the somberness of the occasion. He knew where he was headed. But a lot of the people didn't. Uh, Hosanna, Hosanna, the palm branches, everything. They, they, many people thought he was coming to set up his earthly kingdom on earth. But that wasn't what it was all about. He, he was coming to suffer a horrible, horrible death. And thank God, resurrection. But it was a, it was a situation where he was, was, was not going to be accomplishing what the people at the moment had thought. And... and what we understand through all of this is that Jesus knew exactly what his mission was on this earth. And at the hands of all of the authorities at that time, he was beaten. Uh, I just finished watching a couple of nights ago The Passion of Christ and uh, the Mel Gibson movie. And uh, just uh, I would encourage all of you, if you've not seen it, you, you need to see it. If you, if you don't have a copy of it, you need to buy a copy and have it and show it to your children because it's very difficult to, to really understand exactly what Jesus went through unless you do see a visual of it sometimes. The cross is a place of great victory, but it was a place of great brutality and, and a horrible, horrible demonic place where Jesus was beaten savagely and skin ripped apart and blood. All of that done so that you and I would have victory. So let's all say it. Thank God for that. But in the midst of all of that, in Luke chapter 23, it's verse number 34, 
Jesus was nearing death on the cross and that it would be completed what the Father had desired and that then he would descend into the pit of hell, take the keys from the kingdom, pull them back up, resurrect in three days. But one of the last words that he uttered in verse number 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And there was a picture on, uh, on the passion of the Christ that I was watching. I had never thought about this, but it showed one of the chief rabbis uh, who was at the cross, who was instrumental in this covered in the Bible uh, in the death of Jesus when he was trying to get him to be condemned and that he stopped and he turned around and looked when Jesus said those words, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgiveness is from God and right in the midst of the most horrible situation that Jesus had faced at that moment on that cross, his thought was to forgive those who were persecuting him. So let's all say it. Forgiveness is of God. Now, you and I have to take this forgiveness and receive it. One of the most difficult things for me when I was first saved was to receive the forgiveness that God had supplied for me because I knew what I had done and what had been done to me. Does that make sense to all of you? Can you relate to that? And so it was hard for me in the beginning to receive that forgiveness. You can never give what you haven't received. So you have to be able to open your heart to receive everything, which is the completed work of Calvary. Then you can be able to give that out to others. So let's all say it. I receive, I, receive. I, give. I give. But the one thing we have to be careful of is that we don't receive something, get it into ourselves and enjoy the benefit of it, and then not pass it along to others. Because what will happen then, it will stop the blessing and the flow of God coming into your life. Does that make sense to all of you so far? Okay. And what happens then is that we have to get prepared ourselves for everything that needs to be done that God wants to do in our lives. And when, when I first got saved, Pam and I were sent to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Actually, God brought Pam into my life right after I got saved, and then we went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So I had just gotten saved. I think what I'm sharing is what happened to many of your lives. Just gotten saved. I knew something was different. People looked different. Trees looked different. Everything looked different. But everything I faced was still the same, but everything looked different. And then God said, go to Tulsa where you find the meaning of your life. So I got a brand new wife, family, and went to Tulsa where I find the meaning of my life. And I'm now a Christian, and I'm spirit-filled, and everything is different. And all of a sudden, doors open up, and I go to Bible school, and I think I'm with all these Christian people, and everything will be great, and there'll be no more problems after that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I found that it didn't matter whether they were Christian or non-Christian, you could be offended by anybody, and most of the Christians I met were no different than the rest of the world. Can you all say amen to that? Amen. So <laughs> I remember a guy told me one time, this is an actual true story. He said, you, that guy's a Christian. You ought to deal with him. And I said, I just want to know if I can trust him. <laughs> I don't care if he's a Christian or not. I want to know if I can trust him. And, you know, it's a sad state of affairs, but it's very true. But, but see, w once you, you have false expectations, false expectations is everything's going to be okay and there'll never be another problem. 
That would be a false expectation. You have to live in the world, but we also know we're not of this world, but by the same token, offenses come and offenses go. And I remember hearing Pastor Billy Joe Doherty, who is now in heaven, who when he was a youth pastor going out to a car of he was uh, the 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 uh, head of the four square churches i forget his name right now but he had just ministered in the church and he and he was running out there as about a 21 year old guy and he wanted to just ask him a question and he said i don't even know what i wanted to ask him but i just wanted to glean from him and he was getting in the car or go, heading to the car and he said he said could you please tell me what is the one thing that you could tell me about ministry? What is the one thing that you could impart to me? And he said, the guy never missed a beat. He just kept walking. He turned around. He said, don't get bitter. Got in the car, shut the door, and drove off. And he said, that's all he said. Don't get bitter. And it's like, whoa, what is that? And then he said, then as I progressed on in ministry, I realized it is probably one of the most important pieces of advice I'd ever gotten in my life. I can relate to that. Let's all say, don't get bitter. You will never get bitter if you never take an offense. And, and, and the Word of God is so clear and so simple. We, we tend to have a, t a tendency sometimes to make it more complex than it is. But in the book of, uh, of Matthew, or Mark, rather, chapter 11, it's verse 25 and 26. It's at the end of a scripture that we all love, have faith in God, speak to the mountain, be removed, and it'll be cast into the sea. And, and when you pray, believe, and you will receive whatever you ask. And we love that. And those scriptures are true, and they're great, and they're awesome. Don't ever forget it. But then it also flows right into verse 25 and 26 when it says, when you pray, you forgive those that you have an ought against or an offense against that have come against you. And that if you don't pray, I mean, if you don't uh, forgive them, then your Heavenly Father is not going to forgive you. So what we have to do is to begin to live a life of prayer, but also releasing people by always, always never holding an offense, but always forgiving. Always, everybody say, always forgiving. Always. Turn to your neighbor and say, always forgiving. Now, the key to this is this. You can't take an offense because if you take an offense, you'll meditate the offense. And I want to, God has a way of just showing me uh, things when, when there's a message that, and I, I'm sure it's true for Pam too, but when there's a message that God is putting in your heart, I'll say, you always think you hear from God and you hope you hear from God and you want to make sure it is from God. And then you say, God, just confirm it. And so inevitably, if I've really hit in a message that God has, he'll start to give me examples. And uh, just the other day, just, just I think it was Friday, I was at the intersection here at, uh, uh, how, how many of you have ever had a problem driving in Lafayette, Indiana with uh, <laughs> other people? Uh, I told Pam one time when, when we drive back from Florida sometimes, Pam, Pam loves to talk and drive to all the other drivers on the road. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I told her, I said, I said, the minute you get behind the wheel, all the crazy people come out because you're describing them to me. But, but this, is, this is a true story. <laughs> she takes after her grandmother. <laughs> her grandmother Marge and her, uh, uh, her grandmother Marge, who was about 87 years old at the time, and Lou Beal were coming back from Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Lou Beal woke up and said, Marge, why are you driving in the center of the interstate? And she says, it's a blinding storm. 
And she said, a blinding storm? She says, yes. And there's water all over the windshield and everything. And Lou said she looked out and looked out the back window, and there's trucks lined up all the way back, and she drives back. And she says, there's no, she looked out the side window, and there's no water. There's no rain. And, and, and for whatever reason, Marge had hit the, the windshield wiper thing for the water, and she kept hitting the thing, trying to get the windshield wiper to go faster, and she thought she was in a storm. I just happened to think, the nut doesn't fall far from the tree. <laughs> uh, but Marge kept me entertained. Uh, Marge kept me entertained, honey. <laughs> she did I'm sitting here at, Greenwood, at, at Union Street and Earl Avenue to turn left. And there's a lady, and it was a lady. There was a lady in front of me with another lady, and in front of her was another lady with another lady in the car. I'm not saying it has anything to do with ladies, but that is funny, don't you think? But anyway, this is these two cars, and I'm the third car back. Now, in this whole scenario, I am the good guy, I am the innocent guy, and you're going to hear it in just a moment. But the, the, the light is green. It's going through the arrow stage and the green stage. And the car stopped coming the other direction, and the first lady sitting there had the green light. She could turn, but she didn't. You could tell she was engrossed in conversation. The second lady in the second car was irate, and she was doing all sorts of hand gestures and telling her person here, and I could just see she was going wacko. Now, I was in a hurry, too, but I wasn't about to give my mind away to some stupid arrow on a light or some stupid green light. So pretty soon... The lady in the second car, I don't remember if she honked her horn or did something or other, but the light turned green or started to turn red, rather, and the first car went on through the light. And so now the lady's sitting there. You've all had that scenario, have you not? And you're sitting there like, I got the red light, and she went through. Well, I'm still the second car back. Well, the lady in the, in the car now that is the first car has not given up on her gesturing. She's going crazy, and I'm just sitting there thinking, wow, what a waste of time. I mean, she is really upset. And I think, is she going home to a husband or whatever? I mean, I'm really, it was really interesting to watch this whole thing. So I'm sitting there watching it, and she never stops, never for a moment. Then the light turns for her to go, and she sits there, and she doesn't do anything. And she's still jabbing with this lady next to her, and they're really going at it. And I'm just sitting there watching, just kind of biding my time. And finally, I start laughing. I'm thinking the same thing that she did to that lady and that lady did to her, she is now doing to me. And so I am laughing. This lady watches the whole scenario go through, finally looks up, sees the light that she's had the green light, didn't realize it, and looks in the mirror and sees me laughing at her. <laughs> she didn't miss a beat. She kept jawing and looking like, I'm going to go back there and rip your head off too. <laughs> and I thought, Wow. Don't know how many husbands or kids or whatever she got at home, but I will pray for all of them. <laughs> I pray for her too. And as she finally tore through the same thing, I kid you not, she went through just as it was turning red, just like the first lady did. And as I sat there and I thought, wow, how horrible that is to waste that much of your time being angry on an offense of somebody. How many of you realize somebody's going to always do something? It's always going to be something. 
how we process it and how we handle it is really what is important. And, and, and one of the most important things is right or wrong is never the issue. Right or wrong is one of the biggest challenges we have right now between people. You get this camp that, well, yeah, this ha the, you know, there's a proverb that says the first story sounds right until you hear the second story. And then you hear the second story, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, you hear the first story again, that sounds right. Right or wrong, everybody say right or wrong. Never the issue. Only issue is, are you willing to walk in forgiveness? Are you really to get rid of that potential offense that is trying to get in your mind and cause you a problem? Now, the root word for forgiveness, this is really interesting, is charis, which is the same root word for grace. And the root for forgiveness is to do a favor, show kindness unconditionally, give freely, grant forgiveness, forgive freely. In other words, when somebody offends you or offends somebody in your family or whatever, you just go out of your way to freely do things for them. Daniela, you just really get into this, aren't you? You're just like, oh, I really want to do this. I told Pam when I was reading this, I said, you know what we could do? If there's any of you ladies that ever feel that I have offended you, you men could too, but I would trust the ladies more than you. But uh, if I have ever offended you, then you could freely give, freely do something. You could go home and make salmon patties and bring them to me <laughs> if I have. <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a type of love and it's a type of life that we in this world have a hard time relating to, but that's what Jesus did on the cross. I'm freely going to give my life so that they can have forgiveness because if I don't do what my Father has shown me to do, they won't have that forgiveness. Then we have to enter into that realm where we're willing to forgive anybody so that we never have an offense. Now, I want to share with you in uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. It's really a powerful scripture, and it's, it's Peter. And, and Peter is, is an interesting character in study. If you've ever read much of Peter, Peter was impetuous. Peter was all sorts of things. But Jesus had been teaching again on forgiveness. And in, uh, in uh, Matthew 18, 21, Peter comes to Jesus and he says, well, how many times must I forgive? Uh, it, it, it really, I, 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 this is not in Scripture, but I really believe J Peter was saying, look, I'll do what you say, Jesus, but give me a number, because after I reach that certain number, I'm going to poke them. I, you know, I'll turn the other cheek, and then I'll turn this cheek, and then I'm going to let them have it. I believe that was the kind of, of guy that Peter was. We found that out in the Garden of Gethsemane. But, uh, but, but anyway, Jesus said, well, 70 times 70. I can just picture Peter going, let's see, 490. Okay, I know a few people that are up to 400, so a few more times, and then I'm going to let them have a piece of my mind. And you know the old expression, a lot of people have been busy giving a piece of their mind. Problem is they've given away too many pieces. Uh, they've got some real serious challenges. But the offense that we sometimes take comes back to really bite us and really cause a serious problem. In Matthew chapter 18, what we just read there, that story feeds on into uh, the story of the, uh, of the uh, a person that was in debt, badly in debt, and <clears throat> was called by the master about the debt. And when he was called before the master about the debt, he said, I can't pay it. I, I don't have enough money, and I'm paraphrasing all of it, I know. But when he said he didn't have enough money and and, and, and the person that he owed the money to said, well, we're going to throw you in prison. And he said, oh, please don't. I, 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 I beg you, please don't. I have a family. And he said, you know what? I'm going to let you go. I'm going to forgive your debt. 
uh, go your way. I forgive everything. And he received that forgiveness, but then he went out to people that owed him money, and he came against them and had some of them put into prison. And when they found that out, his original debtor came back and did not forgive him that debt, and he ended up going to prison himself. Forgiveness is a key to receiving blessings from God. And I pray that you have and receive a revelation of this as, as we share today because there's a story that was told many years ago of, uh, at Victory when Brother Kenneth Copeland was sharing. And, and, and Kenneth Copeland was sharing how one night he had this open, kind of an open vision. And what he saw in this vision was this huge pipe and this pipe was coming down from heaven toward him, and there's just a little trickle, little drops coming out of it. And he said, Lord, what, what is that? And he said, Kenneth, that's, that's your pipe, and that's the blessings that I have for you from heaven. And he said, what, what's the problem? It seems like there's something up there and all. And it was sand and gravel, and it was all clogged up. And, uh, and he said, I didn't understand it. And he said, the Lord said to him and showed him, those are offenses and, and those are areas in your life where you have unforgiveness. And, and he said, Lord, I, I don't know of any of those areas. I, I don't know of unforgiveness. I don't know of offenses that I've taken in my heart. He said instantly, God took him to the cafeteria where he'd been. And the girl serving him his food had sloshed him. Um, gravy over on his vegetables or something and he'd gotten really upset with her and went and sat down and and kind of messed up his meal and and then one by one he began to see examples of what had happened how many of you have areas in your life where you'd call them i don't know what you'd call them pet peeves things that just really tick you off uh, can i see your how okay i guess where the devil's coming against you uh he he's he's no dummy he knows what to do and 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 as kenneth copeland saw these things then then he asked the lord he said well what what is blocking all those and he said that's your unforgiveness your unforgiveness will block my blessings in your life but if you will enter into forgiveness then that channel will be clear coming down to you we may never know the severity of what happens when we walk in unforgiveness but if there's one thing that I know from being in ministry for as many years as we've been in ministry right now, a lot of the problems that are in people's lives, health, mental, and relationship-wise, have to do with offenses and offenses that have never been handled properly. <clears throat> when I, my mom and dad, uh, as, as a boy, I grew up in, uh, in a, a mom-and-pop grocery store, a little kid in grade school, and my mom and dad had a corner grocery store, which back in that era, which most of you don't even know about, but is real prominent. We lived above the grocery store, typical type of operation, and uh, dad gave credit, and the credit that he gave uh, was to people back in that era, which was very common people come in they write their name and they'll say we'll see you next friday or we'll see you on payday mick or we'll see you whenever and take care of them and people got sick and you let them go and did things and dad was never one to really pursue anything nothing much ever bothered my father every once in a while my wife will say you remind me of your dad and i'll say honey i take that as a compliment because i just love my dad uh, but my mom she's a little bit different she's a little bit stronger she's also I, I assume kept the books i don't know that for sure but she said mick you ought to get on these guys and you ought to take do this or do that and back then you even had a legal system that you could do and and i, I remember my dad would say lou you need to let it go everybody say that not lou but just listen let it <laughs> let it go 
Say it again. Turn to your neighbor. Let it go. You know some people that need to just let some things go? Well, I do. And over the years in ministry, I would say that if I, it, it, that, that message that Billy Joe Doherty got from that man, don't get bitter, I would say that is right on. Don't take an offense. If you don't take an offense, you'll never have to be concerned about forgiveness or unforgiveness. But if you take an offense, then you immediately have to let it go. I remember a time in my life, and my mom was a wonderful person, so I don't want to paint her as a bad lady. She was an absolutely wonderful person. Many of you knew my mom. But, but when my grandmother died, it was over 50 years ago, this whole trans, trans, everything I'm telling you took place over about 50 years. My grandmother had a, a, a ring that my mom always loved, and my mom wanted that ring. And she thought that when my, her mother died, that she would have that ring. But my aunt ended up with that ring. And my aunt loved that ring, and my mom didn't get that ring. And that devastated my mother in that particular area of her life. And from that moment on, I watched, and I didn't know this at the time, because I was just a, a young guy. I didn't really understand the fullness of it. The Lord brought it back to my mind. But my mom locked up over unforgiveness over that ring for the rest of her life with my aunt. Up until that point in time, they were like best friends. They were together all of the time. Now, you may not have an, ex an example just like I'm giving you about a ring or something like this, but I guarantee you, you can relate to something that has happened in your family, your life, or whatever that is very similar in nature. My mom locked up over that ring, and she would play that story out over and over and over again, verbally and also in her mind. It was never about the ring. It was about unforgiveness. She had unforgiveness toward my aunt, and she would never let go of it. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, it talks about uh, borrowing and lending, and it, it talks about the year of forgiveness of debt. And you may wonder, what does that have to do with this? Well, it all ties together with forgiveness. In Deuteronomy 15, it tells the story that if you have loaned money, and this is for the Jewish people in the Old Covenant, but if you have loaned money and it has not been paid back, they're not able to pay it back, then the seventh year shall be a year when you will forgive them of their debt. You will forgive them of their debt. I told the first service we'd all like a banker like Dan where we could go and borrow money and say, I'll pay you back in seven years, but if I can't make it, I want to be forgiven on the seventh year. Well, I, I don't think we'll find many of those around today. But, but God understood the total, total importance of forgiveness. As a matter of fact, in the Old Covenant, and when you study early world history, nations would forgive nations for debt because they would become in bondage to other people because of the debt or whatever the situation was, and it would cause unforgiveness. And that's why I'll say this. Unforgiveness is deadly. Turn to your neighbor and tell unforgiveness is deadly. Now, if you, get, if you get a hold of this and you understand this, then it will absolutely set you free. I want us to uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be sharing it here in closing with this scripture here in just a moment. But it's talking about how you and I should be toward one another. And every single one of you that are here today have been offended somewhere in your life. 
every single one of you today have to deal with those offenses, and you have to forgive those people. You, you will leave here going out into the world where you're going to be offended again. Now, you may, if you don't want to say this, that's okay. Don't say it. But, but I'm going to ask you to say it but right now. I have been offended, and I will be offended again. It is what you do with that fence that will determine whether or not the blessings of God will continue to flow to you or whether they will begin to be clogged up by a mind that becomes disoriented from being the kind of mind and the way God wants you to be. And in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, this is what it says. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Now, <clears throat> what should we do? We be kind, tenderhearted to one another, even as Christ forgave us. So, how many of you believe that it is your will, I mean that it is God's will, that you always walk in forgiveness? I see your hands. Half of you. Okay, can I see? Okay. All right. Did we all believe? So let's all say, I believe. I, believe. I should walk, I should walk. In, forgiveness in forgiveness toward everyone. How many of you have areas in your life where you believe from time to time you do not forgive? Can I see your hands? Okay. Now, here's what happens. This is a little harsh, but it's very true. James chapter 3, verse 16, is a powerful scripture that we have been sharing on lately. Self-seeking people open the door in their lives to confusion and every evil work. You clog up the blessings, you open the door. It's as if you would go to the door, and you would say whether there's a knock on the door or not. You open the door, and it's the devil. And the devil comes in, and you are not about to forgive because it was wrong what happened to you. So you say, devil, come on in. I don't know how long I'm going to let you stay, but for as long as I feel, you can stay in my house because it was wrong what happened. And you shut that door on all the blessings of God, and you let the devil come in. And not only is he going to take advantage of you, he's going to take advantage of your children, he's going to take advantage of your mate, and he's going to do all the damage he can because he knows that someday you may come to your senses and throw him out. But for right now, he's going to stay. That is exactly how it works in the realm of the Spirit. And if you get, a, uh, if you get an understanding of this, then you realize unforgiveness is deadly. Offenses are deadly, but if we will become tender-hearted, walking with God's love and God's mercy, then we can stop everything that the devil is trying to do. And as I was going to bed the other night, I, I was th this came to me, and I started writing some of these down. But how unforgiveness is a slippery slope. It is all self-centered. You hold thoughts that are wrong. Your mind becomes em emotionally locked up. The causes of unforgiveness begin to manipulate your initial responses. And really, when you walk in forgiveness, there's just total freedom. Everybody say total freedom. They're total freedom. <clears throat> Pam and I have had some opportunities over the years. Started several years ago. But somebody needed, we knew somebody that needed some, some financial help. And I'm not saying this about us, but we decided to help them. We, we talked, I think, briefly about, about a loan. And I shared, and I shared uh, that I, I, f I don't feel to loan anybody any money, let's give them money. 
because when we give them, there's no attachment. Uh, we're just planting seed, and if they want to do something ever to bless us, that's between them and God, not between them and us. But we're just planting seed wherever we go. And uh, that we'll never, ever have a position where we're going to have an offense by somebody not repaying money to us. And, uh, and I, I believe that was what and how the Lord was leading me. On the other hand, there was an example of a friend that I had that was a multimillionaire that uh, had loaned out a lot of money in this community to family members and other members and, and done things for them because he was well able to do so. But he became very bitter and enraged and, and discouraged over the years uh, and, 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 and really died a bitter man. Thank God he was led to the Lord by my wife in the hospital, but, but he died a very bitter man. Much of his bitterness had to do over the money that he had because my wife told me how his personality over the years changed. His bitterness was because the money was not repaid to him. And he used to tell me about the people who, in his opinion, took advantage of him. What had happened was he had become offended. He was a good man. He was a tenderhearted man. He loved God, but he was not a forgiving man. And he began to take offense after offense after offense after offense until he got a wall built up and it became a very, very uh, almost wicked man. He would go from almost a demonic presence to a, 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 a normal presence. And it was because he had entertained the things of the devil because he did not do what was the right thing to do, and that was forgive. <clears throat> if we will take this message and let it explode within us and make a decision never to walk in unforgiveness again, uh, I know it's, it's a funny example at, at the green light at the at the stoplight or I mean at the intersection there but but why would you want to lose your peace of mind over a one minute interval that's basically what a signal is it's a one minute interval and for a one minute interval why would you want to become angry why would you want to be disgusted all road rage all rage in general but all road, road rage is based on unforgiveness it's based on somebody who did something that somebody's perception was that it was wrong, but instead of forgiving them and letting them go, you wanted to do something about it or whatever. And folks, I guarantee you that if, if, if we decide that we're never going to walk with unforgiveness again, it will absolutely change your life. And this is the final thing that I thought the Lord shared with me, and I wrote it all down because it was so good. <coughs> If you could make a decision today to let go of every person that has offended you, wronged you, your life will forever be changed for the better. And just as my dad, I can still hear it to this day, let it go, Lou. Everybody say, let it go. Tell that guy, person next to you, let it go. Some of you have some things that have happened to you. You need to let it go. Some of you have some things that are going to happen to you. Now, you can do this like Pam's sister does all the time. You can do this all you want. I tell you, things are going to happen. But if you make a decision just to let it go, and I'm going to get ready to forgive before it even happens, it is really, really going to make you different, but it's going to keep you in the line for God's possession. And I know that lady that was in that car in front of me probably said, that man's laughing at me. Well, she was absolutely right. I really am. I, w I was. I really was laughing at her. And I'll probably be telling this story the rest of my life at her expense. But that's all right. That's her problem, not mine. But, 
I refuse. Now, years ago, and I'll end with this. Years ago, I called a good friend of mine. How many of you, again, have those pet peeve areas? Can I see your hands? Things that just know tick you off? Okay. Years ago, I called my good friend Bill Lay. And I was going through a situation in my life that there was a certain area when if something happened, it just drove me crazy. And I knew when this thing happened, it was wrong. But I couldn't do anything about it. But it still drove me crazy. And isn't that an interesting scenario? It's going to happen. It's going to drive me crazy. It's going to drive me angry and all this kind of stuff. And when I shared it with Bill, and he said, he said, you know, Bill, I don't know exactly what the answer to your situation is, but I will tell you this. It has reached the point in my life when I refuse to allow an external force to control my emotions. Now, all unforgiveness is emotional. He said, I refuse to allow an external force to control my emotions. And I thought, wow, that's really good. That is exactly what I have been doing. And I can't say that I mastered it, but I'm a lot better at it today than I was back then because I refuse to let a lady at a stoplight or a man at a stoplight not moving through a green arrow fast enough ruin my day. And I don't want my day ruined by anybody. How about you? Let's stand to our feet. We were given forgiveness through the power of the cross. And that forgiveness was to flow through us to other people. Do you need forgiveness? I guarantee you, every one of you, have areas in your life where you're going to need forgiveness very, very shortly. <laughs> we don't have time now because we're at the end of the service, but I'm thinking of a whole lot of areas where I have needed forgiveness from you over the years. Some of them are funny. Most of them are funny. It's, it's only one of us thought it was, but... <laughs> <laughs> but that's all <laughs> you can guess which one thought they were funny <laughs> but but this message I, I, I guarantee you if you'll allow this message to explode within your spirit it'll change your life some people it may not be over a ring like my mom but some people they, they've lived with bitterness in their life that their character has been changed because of bitterness, because of things they've harbored in their life through unforgiveness. And that when you think about it, it's like, well, no, that thing was horrible. It should have never happened to me. That's true. But that's also past. You, you can't do anything about it. It happened. But you can change the way you look at it. You can let the power of God heal your heart in that area. And you can release that situation, that emotional situation, through unforgiveness. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. 
Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.